is to realize who God says He is. Not who Grandma says He is, or not who a pastor says He is. Those are good, possibly. But to have firsthand revelation of who God is creates in you an identity because what happens is, the second thing is understanding who He says about you. What, who you are. Your identity in Him. And, and when you realize that He has an amazing love for us, then all of a sudden you begin to realize how you can walk in His love because in love there is no fear. So this morning, I, I just am so thankful that you're here because putting yourself in the place of truth, you realize that you, you hear things that you don't hear, chances are, in the world that you live in, depending on the, the culture that uh, you work in, you live in, and so forth. They say that we can hear about eight, 80,000 thoughts in, in, in one week. I mean, that, that's a No, no, I, I take that back. 80,000 in a day. And that's over 3,000 thoughts an hour. So, I mean, all these thoughts are coming into our minds. We know that thoughts can create emotions, and emotions want to put us in a different motion no matter what, what's going on. And, and uh, you, know, you know, when I began to think about that more and more, that, that we've talked about this. And, and before we get into today's message, you know, part of the reason that you're here is to hear the Word of God spoken in your life to, to realize that 80,000 thoughts just coming at us all the time uh, in, in, you know, everything from media, buy, buy this, buy this, buy this. Uh, don't do that, don't do that. Watching a movie and that's bad and that somebody is influencing us. And, and the key is to realize that we aren't influenced by anything we shouldn't be except the Word of God over our life and God's truth. Uh, but we, we realize that if we're not careful, we're emotionally driven. And, and we know that out of our choices, it, it puts us in experiences. You can say that you are today where you're at, partially, if not totally, because of the choices you made. And, and because of that, you, you've made yourself, because of the choices, put yourself in experiences. And out of those experiences created a belief system. And that belief system then in turn creates a cycle that then you make choices because of your belief system. And because of those choices, they put you in experiences. And now that experience creates or uh, re-kind of calculates your belief system and, and on and on. And that's why we say that's who I am. But as a believer, we look at it differently. We look at it with a different perspective. We, we think with the mind of Christ the more that we're in the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to be spoken over us. And, and then we, we get into that place that we can say that we're not, uh, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk by our emotions. Somebody says, you know, the sky's falling. We don't go, woo, you know, and we get into all kinds of emotional problems. But we're, we're driven by the Word of God and, and we walk by faith and not by sight. So this morning, as we understand that the things that are spoken in our life with the Word of God, that, that as those thoughts become part of us and the Word of God becomes part of us, that it becomes words, a confession that come out of our mouth of who we are. Now, now realize that sometimes as you become a new believer, and even if you, let's say, I won't say an old believer because you can be 30 years old and be considered a, in, in today a more an older believer, but what I'm saying is uh, when, when you are in the, 
you can even be in the Lord for several years and still realize that what's framing your thinking has been wrong. And sometimes it's harder to unlearn things than it is to learn them right the first time. So, so this morning, listen, uh, it, it's such a key that when we choose God, and even though people begin to speak in our lives, sometimes well-meaning people that are trying to frame our thinking, now again, they're not set up just say, I want to influence your way, but they're speaking in our life that we have to realize that there's going to be time that we allow the Word of God to be, to be active in our life, to become part of our DNA. To, to walk in the words of God is not so much easy because of everything that says that it's not, but we know that the Word of God, even in the Word of God, says just because people do not take the Word of God and by faith do it and then say, well, it doesn't work, does that mean God's a liar? And it says, no, let God be true and every man a liar. So, so when, when you hear the word of God and you begin the process of, of meditating on it and, and confessing it and walking it out, it's a process that in, in the spiritual realm, we're believing for something to come into manifestation. That, that's a, a very biblical word or spiritual word to mean that we can actually see it. It's concrete. Now, now let me just step way out and kind of give you an example. We're in a building process. If you didn't know, we're building two buildings on the far side. And for roughly, you know, uh, at the end of 2014, sometimes I get even tired thinking about it. 2014, we got the the vision of building a a ministry uh, buildings for, for the kingdom of God. Now, in 2014, at the end of 2014, we began to talk about it in the architects and sent back plans of concepts. Now, that, that's changed in the, the, the drawings of exactly, I mean exactly the way it will look today. But it started in the end of, at the end of 2014. And walking that out, walking it out, I mean walking it out. You know what I mean? You take it and you, you got to change the zoning on the property. And go down the city and we'll, we'll put you on the docket when? Tomorrow? No, uh, two weeks from, you know, this day. You're just walking by patience until one day the architect sends back the everything is done. And I mean, just just it's amazing when the day comes when they call and say the concrete's gonna be poured this Saturday. And and actually you can go out there like I did this morning and walk on that foundation. And and they've got the parking lot set up where it's gonna go and and uh the electrician is going to put in the, the electricity under the parking lot this week. And next week, the parking lot will be poured. And the next week, the uh, building will be built. The framing will go up. Now, th- this is what's amazing. All this time that it's been going on, everybody's going, no, when, when are we going to build? When, when, when are we going to do something? We're doing something. But by, by kind of the similarity in the spiritual realm or in, in what we're doing, you can't see it, but there was work going on for years. Now watch, when it came into manifestation, when it became tangible, oh yeah, that's when people go, wow, you guys didn't build a program down there. I saw that future home sign, but I just didn't know if you were going to do it ever. Oh yeah, yeah, we're doing it. And you walk on something that's real. Do you know that the framer, now again, things change as we know, especially in a building process, 
But, but we, we have heard that the, the framer says, John, I've got 12 guys on my framing crew. And it, it depends on when we start. But if we did start on a Monday, I'm pretty sure that we could have both buildings built, framed in. Now, that's not finished. But framed in by Saturday of that week. Now, I go... Yeah, well, and kind of like, are you, say that again? You know, there's a little bit of excitement and a little bit like, what? So think about this. You come to church and you see nada. The next week, all of a sudden, two buildings, and you go, well. So this morning, all what I'm saying is, as the Word of God is spoken in this sermon series, it's going to take time to begin to be part of you. And even though you don't see anything in the manifestation or the, the physical realm, don't give up. Allow God to be God in your life. Now, I've got a lot to go, so if you're taking notes, get out your pen and paper and get ready. As we're in the series, The Kingdom. Today's sermon title is Pauper or Prince. What perspective are you? This morning, I want you to hear is kind of what we talked about last week is each believer, the Word of God, says that we are destined to be a king or a queen. You know, you know, again, when you say that, there's something about the world that hears that and shudders because it's, it seems like it's so self-seeking. What? A believer to be a king or a queen or to reign in this life? And I really believe that it's because of the framing of our thinking of what maybe King Henry VIII, so self-seeking, you know? Give me another turkey leg and cut off another wife's head, you know, whatever. King Louis, you know, of France that built a beautiful palace at Versailles, but, but the people suffered because he wanted to have a, a, a hallway of mirrors. Now you say, what? How much does a mirror cost? Back then, they say that one of his mirrors was the cost of a battleship. Wow. So when we talk about ruling and reigning in this life and we talk about that, see, that's our paradigm of what we're talking No, that's not what we're talking about. See, Jesus came to give us a whole other perspective of royalty when he, he begins to put the towel around his waist and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, think about this, and I said it before, and every time I've he heard this and, and said it, I I'm in agreement. We are to rule with the heart of a servant and to serve with the heart of a king. Let me say it again. We are to rule with the heart of a servant and to serve with the heart of a king. As a godly king, we have to realize of the unlimited resources that God has given us at our disposal that sometimes we say it doesn't exist because we've never heard of all that God has promised us as believers. We're not walking in the fullness of all the things that God has given to us. And, and when that happens, then we become closed. We become the scarcity mindset that if I give too much, if I use too much of what I have, then I'm not going to have enough. Especially when it comes to minister to someone around us, to, to be able to minister, we go, you know, I, I want to say, you know, I, I want to help you in this, but I'm going to pat you on the back and say, I'm going to pray for you. Now, again, praying for you isn't bad if you pray for them. Let me give you kind of a, a power suggestion, Moses, okay? We're going to come back to him, but just let me say in Proverbs 30, verse 21, 
listen to this verse that I saw this week, and it, it just kind of radiated. It, it says this, under three things the earth trembles. C- can you picture that? Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. And then the first thing that is mentioned is a servant who becomes king. Now, now let's go on. Why, why can't the earth bear up underneath a servant that becomes king? When you are in slavery, now think about the thought of here is a slave that becomes a king. He would, he would get to the point where he would think that he does not matter, even if his position one day changes to be king, that he does not matter on the inside. There is no value. When a person is born into slavery, they are taught you have no value and you have no opinion that matters. Now think about this. He or she would begin not to watch the words or their behavior and could act frivolous towards the people that they were called to lead. If a person is born with a slave mindset and does not change that, all they are going to do is begin to say, you know what? Life doesn't matter. Maybe you've heard some people that have bought into that identity in their life, and what they'll say is, well, I'm a maverick. I kind of, you know, I'm a rebel. Are you a rebel without a cause? I guess so. You know, they don't even know why. It's just trendy. I I just want to be a maverick. I want to be out there and do my own thing. They have never understood the reality of what God has called us to do as mankind. Now, Now, let's go to Moses. Have you ever thought why God had that whole story develop where he was raised in Pharaoh's palace? I mean, this is kind of revelation to me this week as a cool thought that I processed and began to think about. Here is a man that is, you know, some people say, well, it's just coincidence that he was put in a, you know, that the the king of that day wanted to kill all the baby Jews. And and it was just coincidence that his uh, mother decided to put him in a little basket and float him down the Nile. You know, just everybody does that. (laughs) And it just so happened that, you know, it's by accident that the, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter found him and took him into the palace to make the little boy, the little baby, her own. Just coincidence. Or could it be that God had a place for Moses to bring a little baby that would grow into a man that would have a purpose, a destiny, listen, to lead his people out of the slavery to the promise. The promise at this time, you know, was land. The promised land. Now now stop and think about this. Here's where it comes. If he's raised as a prince... Wouldn't it have given him a different identity that's going to be necessary to speak, to be able to lead people out of slavery? This is what's amazing to me. Here he is, and he's got two blood uh, brothers and sisters. He has Aaron as his brother, and Miriam as his sister. If you know the whole story of the Exodus, they go out in the wilderness. Uh, Miriam is a tambourine playing lady, man. She was a worshiper. And then Aaron was to be the priest. It's an amazing story. But both of those have been raised in slavery with their mother. But here is 
Moses, and he's been raised with a different identity and perspective in the palace. As a prince in Egypt, he would have been honored to express his opinion of royalty. He could express it. He was free of, really, fear of failure. Uh, He was uh, to be loved and respect a little bit different than maybe a a child in slavery that was uh, even to the point of being abandoned. But think about this. He is raised in royalty and he would have the confidence to do something that seemed impossible. The Bible says that when he sees the injustice of the Egyptians to his people, I thought that was pretty interesting, that he was moved to action. You could say that he was moved to do something about the problem. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but Exodus chapter 1 says that the children of God were harshly treated by the Egyptians. And if you read that, it says it again, harshly you know, treated. But then in Exodus chapter 2, it says one day when Moses has grown up, he, he goes to see his people, you know, he's, he's royalty, and he goes out and he sees that one of his people, one of his brothers, a Jewish man, is being beat by an Egyptian. And he looks around and he comes to the conclusion, I'm a problem solver, I'll kill the guy. So he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Now, at this point, we, we really don't know a whole lot about Moses' relationship with God. And he's searching for identity. But at this point, I want you to see one thing is he's moved to action and he's able to do it where other people would have said, are you kidding me? We can't do anything about it. Now again, wrong action. Don't leave here saying, well, Pastor John said you go kill somebody. That'll solve the problem. No. Again, let me tell you, if you, if you wrap up Moses' life in a nutshell, if you said one, word, one sentence about Moses, you, you probably wouldn't say, you know, divided the Red Sea, went across, all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff, but mainly he was the man destined to lead the people of God out of slavery into the promise. I want you to, I want you to remember that. We're talking about the kingdom we're talking about us being anointed to be kings or queens. Now, watch this. And we're anointed to solve the problem. Moses is anointed, also destined to solve the problem of his day. I want you to remember what I said last week. A king doesn't hear that there's a problem in his kingdom and wonders who's going to fix it. Because what they do is they rule with authority. They have all authority. And they have unlimited resources to solve the problem. Now again, before I go on. Do you see yourself as a problem or the answer? We're going to be talking about that next week. And I want to encourage you, don't miss it. Some of you are going to get freedom on some things that have kept you bound up in your back, your past identity. And you know what? It just thrills me to to be able to get revelation that I believe will help you. Let me just say this. I I just want to say it because every time I say it, I get excited about it for myself. It's last week we talked about Romans chapter 8 is all these things can't separate us from the love of God. And we talked about neither life nor death, angels, you know, all the things. And it says, nor the present, nor the things to come. And what's left out is the past. 
even in the other, if you read on, it says that it's like an attorney reading the will. And he's saying, these are all yours. You know, life and death and the things present and the things to come. The past is gone. And and the reason why it's missing is you understand that you don't own the past anymore. That the past has been bought by Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. That's a lot more exciting than you let on. What Jesus did on the cross for you is again to buy your past. I said it this way and it may be a little bit different, but if I sold a car to somebody and I gave them the title, you know, wrote it over to them, they got it in their name. And one day I'm looking around and I pull out a drawer and there's an extra key to the car. And I say, well, they just live down the street. And I go down there and I take it for a drive around the block. Would that not be crazy? I don't own that car anymore. Just like we don't own our past. Next week, we'll talk about more of that. But I want you to see something. We are born to rule. I believe that the Father, I believe that God wanted Satan to be defeated by a man. We know that the first Adam, as we talked about last week, sin and destruction came into the world. And then it says Jesus, as the second and last Adam, came in to restore, to put back into place the exact plan that God had. It's pretty amazing that God used Jesus, his son, to become a man. You realize that he could come to earth as God and just say, it's done. You know, you'd think, but God put into motion and gave man authority. He gave it away in the garden. Therefore, God had to become man, Jesus, come to earth as a baby, be born as a baby. We celebrated that just a couple of weeks ago. Remember Christmas? The light just came on. That's Christmas. And remember how as he becomes a man, and he does become a man, we don't worship a baby. He never would. Okay, anyway. He is a man that dies on the cross for our sins. God used a man again to defeat Satan. Satan was defeated by a man. Every time somebody comes and receives salvation for their sins, they're grafted into that victory. Hallelujah! Did anybody win? No. You just received Jesus Christ and now you get to rejoice with the victory. Okay. I know that some of you are processing this. That's okay. But when Jesus did that, he took the keys. Listen, he took the keys of death and hell away from Satan. And again, I just, I, I just love the thought that while Jesus was here as a man and as a God, as God, that Satan has the authority. And during the temptations of Jesus, re- remember one of the third, one of the three was If you will bow down and worship me, I have the authority to give you all this. I wonder if Jesus kind of went, not for long. 
And then when Jesus, again, on the cross, resurrection, ascension into heaven, what what he's saying is all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So what? Go therefore. And I have redeemed mankind. So go in authority and power. Reclaim mankind for me. Think about it. Every time when you read the passage, it says Jesus fulfilled his promises when he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. It it goes back and back and back and to say that God gives us the keys. Do you remember the passage? It's found in Matthew chapter 16. and, and, And Jesus says to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some of them say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, and some of the other prophets. And, and Jesus goes, okay, okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, okay. Who do you say that I am? And when Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Remember Jesus says, you know, the angels, on this proclamation, on this revelation, on this rock. I will build my kingdom and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Now, now watch this. In that passage, he says, "What I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That, that, does, does anybody get this beside me? Because I preach myself and I start getting, woo, you know, I get, talk about Pentecostal, talking about... 1960s bun falling out of your hair, Pentecostal. Woo! You know. I started, you know, again, 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 it's, it's faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Everybody knows that I've heard this before, but just again in reminding myself, the faith level begins to come up. If you're lacking faith and hope in your life, begin reading the word of God, what the word of God says about you. The keys. Again, think about this. The original plan was never aborted, but was fully realized once the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus happened. Did did you hear that? Sometimes we think that we, we, we had a different plan. No, it was never aborted. When we were completely restored because of what Jesus did, his plan of ruling for his people again, was right on track. Now we learn how to have victory. We learn how to restore where the Satan in people's life has come and caused damage and destruction and death and sin. When you begin to believe that you're born to rule, remember, you're to rule creation, to plunder hell, to establish the rule of Jesus on this earth. If you take the word kingdom, it means king's domain in, in the original. And in, in the original purpose of God, again, mankind ruling over creation. 
I'm not saying that sin, when Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, that, that sin didn't come into the world. Now think about this. All the things that we know as destructive in our society, in, in the people that you're around, in, in maybe your family's life, all, all those things, because sin infected the darkness that, that a lot of us have experienced in our own life. Things like uh, disease, sickness, maybe afflicting spirits. Poverty, natural disasters that they call what? An act of God. If somebody in the religious world named that, you want to go, what are you talking about? It was an act of sin. Those natural disasters are demonic influence in people's lives. Again, our rule is still over creation. Let me read this. The invasion of God into impossible situations come through a people who have received power from on high to release it into the circumstances of life. When you receive the power of God through what the Word of God has spoken over your life, walking in the power and authority that God has given us, then we're able to, again, share it with those people that are around us. I'm going to say this because it's in my sermon next week, but I, I just I think that some people are going, you know what, you're, you're giving mankind a little bit too much glory. Maybe you're here and you're thinking that. Remember, God doesn't love us because we're special, but we're special because God loves us. So, so here's what I want you to realize. If, if we saw a beautiful painting on the wall, everybody with me on this? This is very important. I, I wouldn't even say it if it wasn't important. But if, if, if you see a beautiful picture on the wall and the artist spent time and all the, and I, and, and I went up and went, oh, that is, oh, look at all those colors all over the map. It just, man, that, that, you know, the eyes might be a little bit set on the people's face a little bit further apart than they should. And am I giving glory to the artist? Am I giving respect and honor to the artist? No. And I think that sometimes in false humility, that believers have been hamstrung or handicapped because of the belief that such a worm as I, all we're going to do is just hold the fort until Jesus comes back or, or nothing. When God has spoken into our life and says, all authority, you can read it over and over and over, Ephesians, that, that he has been given all authority and all other names are under him. And he's, he's in heavenly realms. All the blessings are in heavenly realms. And God has seated us in heavenly realms with him. See, see, a lot of times in the world that we live in, the non-believer only knows the Christian for what they do not believe in and what they're against. Instead of the believer that is speaking power and love and, and, a, and a whole restoring ministry into people's lives. I love the illustration that I would love somebody, you know, to, to have the mindset or, or our world to have the mindset 
that somebody runs to the front and says, someone slipped and hurt themselves in the back, and they go, attention shoppers, is there any Christians here that could pray for aisle seven? Because of the power of the believer that is able to believe and see healings take place. This is a paradigm shift. Let me just talk about the keys of the kingdom. If you study that word evil and deliver us from evil in the, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, you know that the word evil, again, represents the entire curse of sin on mankind. If you take the word, and it's the Greek word that, that, that means evil that comes, and really that original word means pain. And if you take the root word of that Greek, it means poor. When you start thinking about, look at evil being sin and pain, the sickness, or poor and poverty. Jesus destroyed the power of sin on the cross. If you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, they had no pain, there was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no poverty. So when Jesus destroyed, when Jesus destroyed sin on the cross, and again, restored us back to his original purpose. Should we expect anything else? Even, even because the New Testament is the new covenant, we, we know that it's a better covenant, that we can walk in authority. The, the promises to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 28, all the things that you're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed going in, blessed going out, and, and we all love that the blessings will come and overtake you. I, I love the thought of blessing running around. There he is. You know, a lot of times we're shooing off stuff, but blessing, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to slow down a little bit so you can jump on me. And again, that, that revelation of the keys of God had been given to us. Two, two times it, it talks about, in, in, as far as the keys of David, same thing in Isaiah and, and also found in Revelations, that says this, I will place on his shoulders the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. In Revelation, similar, it says, to the church at Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, let me just, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, I, I promise, I'll start landing the plane here, so, so pay attention here. When you take that out of the, the dictionary, the Unger's Bible dictionary, and it just kind of begins to unveil again the things, the power of the keys consisted not only in the supervision of the royal chambers, but also in deciding who was and who was not to be received into the king's service. Okay, now let me say that another way. All that the Father has is ours through Christ. Now some of you are going, well, I've, I've never experienced that. So what you're going to do is out of your experience, if you're not careful, not allow God to be true and every man a liar. Or you could say every one of my past experiences being a liar. They're not going to be true over my life. I'm going to walk in the way of the Lord. Oof. 
Some of the stuff I'm going through right now in my life, I got happy just saying that. All right, back on it. Let me say it this way. God's entire treasury, His house of resources, His royal chamber is at our disposal in order to fulfill His commission on our life. The key to the king's presence, you could say it this way. It's more sobering realizing that illustration is found in controlling who gets to see the king. This is a whole other paradigm and probably a paradigm shift or a thinking shift on evangelism. When we decide that we have the key, when we realize that the authority has been given to the believer, then we have the keys, listen, we have the key to realize who sees and who is working, who is in the presence of the king, of kings and Lord of lords. So we realize the amazing price that Jesus paid for the key to the kingdom. But listen, how much more is it, again, sobering when we understand that when we do nothing, we're bearing it because we don't want to share what God has given to us with somebody else. We're controlling who hears about the love of God over their life. Well, Pastor, I just feel... You know, yeah, that's the problem right there. You're feeling like you're nothing. But when you realize that you're a king of kings, or you are the king, and the king of kings have given you the keys to the kingdom, that you're able to share share with somebody who they are in Christ when they come to him, all of a sudden you realize the importance of sharing the love of God with somebody and what he's spoken over our lives. Okay, Let, let me just... Wrap it up. And here's what I'm going to say. This is training for reigning. Do you like that? Took me a minute, but write that down. Now, anyway. Training for reigning. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. As you're processing this, and, you know, it's, I know it's big, man. You're like, why haven't I ever heard this? You have, but probably not in this whole sum of information at one time. If you read the Word of God, and here's what I'm I'm going to encourage you to do outside of this building this week. Everybody needs to be a self-feeder. You you can get fed here, and that's why we hope that you come and hear the Word of God. But you you know as well as me, it's not very attractive if you're over a child's age, like 20, 30, 40, 50 years of age, and have to be fed by somebody else. Not very attractive. And, and, And really, something's wrong with the person. There's a handicapped if that has to happen. But in our lives that we have to realize to be self-feeders to get into the Word of God. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do as they've already got it up on the screen. The wisdom of God is in the Word of God. Read Proverbs constantly. You say, where do I start Proverbs? Read Proverbs. And, And here's what just John Miller's advice for this week is. I want to challenge you not to be the long distant runner when it comes to reading the Word of God. I read the whole book of Proverbs. What stood out? I don't remember anything. 
for this season in Proverbs, be a sprinter. In other words, read two or three verses, maybe one chapter. You know, don't get caught in this time. I mean, it's a good way of, you know, measuring, you know, a chapter a day, 30-some chapters a month. You know, that's good. But if you have to, I mean, if you would, just read of the section and then process it. Wisdom. Now, the second thing is every time in the kingdom of God is mentioned in the New Testament, take note. The kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. It's like, and a lot of that is found. One, one good place to read is Mark chapter 4, if you're just looking for that. But anytime that you're in the word of God and it says the kingdom of God, eh, pay attention. And then the third thing, be above and not beneath your kings and queens. Here, here's some of the things that I want you to see just as we're ending it up here. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, then again he talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And, and the things that are, it seems like common sense, are not common practice. Everybody with me on that? What should we do as believers? Well, everybody can, are you doing it? Well, no. no. Listen, Paul says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as fathers deals with their own children. Ready? encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. As, as believers, we need to be doing that with each other. Listen again, encouraging, comforting, urging each other to, to, to live lives worthy of God who calls us into His kingdom and glory. In 1 Timothy, it says this. To be able to preach the word. Pastor, I'm not a preacher. Just tell your story about what God's done for you. You're an expert on that. Can you imagine if you're telling your story and I broke in? Well, let me, let me, let me tell this. Who are you? I know my story. Tell your story. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. What's that mean? Be ready because you know it as well as me that the, the, the opportunity to share the love of God with somebody at work will come and go and you'll miss it if you're not ready. In your mind, paint a scenario. This week, what if Jimmy over there that's seemingly very arrogant and everything, he comes over and he's broken because his life fell apart and you go, don't got nothing for you. No, you better be ready. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now rebuke isn't going to rebuke you. We're all good at that, but we're not good at correcting in love. And to be able to walk in love, to empower people to say, you know what? And you don't have to say this because, again, our world's thinking of King Louis and King Henry and all these kings that, you know. But to get to the place where we go, today I'm going to work. I'm going to a place that people are going to need what God has given me. I'm going to share that. You watch how you're... Evaluation in people's eyes, well, you, you'll start 
where, where's, where's Billy today? We've got to have Billy here. He's a believer. People will show up in your life and go, you know, what's different about you? That It seems like even though we know that you don't, you're, you don't have perfect life, we know that there's things that happen in life, but there's something about you. There's something about you that I want, I need in my family. This morning, I want you to realize that when you give your heart to God, it's the most important decision that you'll ever make. But to realize that it's the starting line and not the finish line. To realize this morning, if you're going through a time, and let me tell you, 2017 is gone. Hallelujah. In 2017, again, God, I give you my past. You own my past. 2018 is here. It's time to get a breakthrough out of our, 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 our depression, our, our frustrations, our, our lack, our, our feeling of poverty, our lack of what's going to hit me next. I, I've been there. And I had to recalibrate my thinking, John, why are you there again? And sometimes it's just the little things of life that can get our influence. Some of those 80,000 thoughts that are going through our mind that we just begin to slowly gravitate to that. So this morning, in the conclusion of this message, and let me tell you, we're real close. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to do some announcements. We're going to take up the morning offering, and then, then you'll be released on the world. To share what God has done for you and heard today. You heard today. But can we just pray right now? If you're going through something, depression, frustration, uh, maybe right now you have uh, some kind of lack in your life, like maybe lack of money because you need to pay bills. Maybe you need uh, a relationship mended that you just don't even know how to start. Maybe there, there's a healing that is needed in your body. Can we take out for a spin our new identity in Christ? Let, let's do it. Would you just bow your heads and let's pray. If there is something that you're going through, whatever it is, let's pray. Father, today, God, you know the people that are here. You know exactly where they are in their life and everything about them. And God, you have given us the authority to pray. To ask in faith and believe, not doubt, not to become double-minded or unstable in all, but believe by faith that God, that we know the answer, and that's you. And Father, I just pray right now that Father, whatever my brothers and sisters, my family is going through, that God, that we are overcomers. And God, I, I just pray that we would begin to release God, those things in our past, because God, you bought that. You, you purchased that. And God, you have given us today and the things to come, our future. Help us walk in all authority that you have given us. The love, the just wonderful grace, forgiveness in our life, that we can return, give that to other people. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.